What's up there, everyone? Welcome to this live recording of the Locked On Cavs podcast. I'm Chris Manning. He's Evan Demerol. On today's show, we are going to take your questions later in the show, but we're going to talk a bunch about the Lowry Market, excuse me, the Cavs Clippers game coming up Wednesday night, 10:30. West Coast Cavs continues as they do uh, two two games and three nights in LA first at LA Clippers, and then the Lakers on Friday before they they go to Phoenix, just south of LA. But I want to remind, thank everyone for making Locked On Cavs their first listen every day, potentially if you're listening on a podcast platform of your choice. Thank you for making Locked On Cavs your first listen every day. Remember, we are free and available on all platforms. So go check us out and uh, subscribe to YouTube if you're watching us live now on YouTube and haven't uh, smashed that subscribe button already. You are Locked On Cavs. Your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Evan, happy Tuesday evening. Happy Wednesday morning if people are listening to this in the future. But how are you, buddy? It, it's been a while, man. I'm, I'm good, all things considered. Some folks are getting rowdy outside, but this is like... I talk about the weather a lot on the show, but I haven't mentioned this. Today's weather is like, besides like the gale force winds, ideal fall weather for me. Like, absolutely love how chilly it is outside. It's gloomy. Put on a nice pair of jeans and a sweater and just like, you know, enjoy the day and vibe. Blast some Phoebe Bridgers, Kyoto, if uh, Jeff Nomina is watching and just, you know, just enjoy it, man. You know what I'm saying? How are you? Doing good. Uh, we'll have a t- It's a fun sports night. So thanks everyone for joining us. Uh, here instead of tuning into the bunch of others they could. I mean, like there's Carly Lloyd's farewell United States women's national team game. The, 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 you got the Knicks Sixers on TNT, which isn't much of a game right now, but there's NBA games. There's a ton of stuff. The World Series is on tonight. So a ton of really fun stuff out in the sports world. So we thank we, everyone we for tuning in and, and hanging with us. Um, I would like Brad Roland to be happy. So the local Atlanta baseball club. Would there be, you go. Would be Good favorite. answer because we don't support. And Sean Coleman. Franchise. I would like Sean. Sean yeah. Coleman. Yeah. Well, Sean, like, Sean, is, Sean, Sean is, is the bane of my well. existence. But yeah, other than that, rock on, man. Yeah. Go Atlanta baseball club. Change your name. Drop the chop. And let's just move forward with it. There, there's quite a crazy Rob Manfred quote out there about that, but that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about Cavs Clippers. That takes place 10.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for those of you uh, either young enough or crazy enough to stay up late and watch this sucker live. Uh, Evan, Cavs are continuing this road trip. They came off a, a win in Denver. As everyone knows, you can go check out our last episode for information on that. But uh, we go into this Clippers game. Clippers are 1-2 and two on the season. Uh, they've only obviously only played three times. Cavs have played twice. They will likely roll out a starting lineup of Eric Bledsoe, Reggie Jackson, Paul George, Nick Batum, and I believe Serge Ibaka. They started Zubac um, against with, the Blazers okay, last so, night. Okay, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Ibaka was out in their last game. Excuse me, listed as out for tomorrow, but they will start Zubac at center. Uh, they beat a Clippers team that is not performing all that well. Um, all things considered earlier in the year, a Portland team that is really struggling. But Evan, what are you looking at um, in in this game as we kind of look ahead to Wednesday? Well, the thing that interests me the most is the Clippers are only seven and a half point favorites. And I wonder if that win against Denver tilted things more in Cleveland's favor, because what I'm really looking at here is Reggie Jackson, Mr. June himself um, is really freaking good for the Clippers. Like I think he is a solid player for them. I have him in fantasy. So I hope he, 
has a solid night to spend. Maybe the Cavs win this one. Um, I think I like the Bledsoe edition. I think defensively he makes a lot of sense, and I think Ty Lue can maximize his talents and kind of play and have the team play just to, d- despite his deficiencies as a perimeter shooter. But, like, the show is Paul George here, man. Like, Paul George is so freaking good. I think during the playoffs last year, he really, like, erased a lot of his doubters and a lot of his critics, and I'm intrigued to see how the Cavs deploy defending him. Um Maybe Evan Mobley starts the night on Paul George because if they stick with Larry Markin and defending threes and as the starting three offensively for the Cavs, like it could turn into a bad time because Paul George could cook him and eat him alive. And Reggie Jackson could take advantage of that as well because Reggie Jackson likes to slash quite more often than not too. Um, like Zubac, and even if Serge Ibaka is available, like neither of those two are huge legitimate threats for the Cavs. Like I mean, Zubac is a very good player. He's um, what I hoped Ante Zizic was going to be when he was with the Cavs, but alas either way as far as like yeah as far as like a burly drop back center who like he's kind of what you want if you're gonna yeah, not defense and rebounding at like a decent yeah. rate that's all i needed yeah and so i'm um, jared allen could spend time on him maybe you hide marketing on him because you know zubach is going to be a massive threat um i guess nick batum is technically their starting three or their starting four depending on how you play paul george like paul george could be the two three or the four in this lineup like Ty's going to do a lot of tinkering. I think he's going to do a lot of adjustments. I'm intrigued to see how Evan Mobley looks. This is his first game back in Southern California. It's all since, you know, leaving USC. So it's going to be pretty cool, man. Like, it's going to be a late game. Um, do you remember Bilko, the pre-workout Bilt Bar used to make? I have some of those in my fridge still. I might pop one of those before the game just to juice myself up and just ride the wave and see how we're feeling afterwards. Maybe we'll do a, a quick react after Cavs Clippers. Yeah. Uh, the other the two things about this. Number one, Evan Mobley was like a youth when like the the CP3 Blake DeAndre teams were like a still a thing. So like that's how old we are. Yeah, yeah. I was like in college watching those games uh, with with friends like in the spring, and like so, he was like we a like a young both were freshmen in college. He was like he, Clippers. He was like fourteen Grizzlies years old when was, those was, teams like, kind of like crap. Like I when yeah. Yeah, when like yeah, and those teams might have been like I think maybe broken up or close to about the time I got out of college. I don't even the timeline is obviously just it's all over all the place. Weird. But like, yeah, but I I think the the mobile who how the Cavs defend here will be an interesting question, and I think it's the question. I don't I think we keep talking about it and talking around it, and I don't want to like I want to try to like not do that. But I think in this game it's just like okay, if you. I, I think there's like a good argument that it's like, okay, like Lowry obviously just is not going to be able to hang with Paul. Like that's mm-hmm. just not something he's going to succeed at. You're setting yourself up for a lot of, a lot of problems there at the same time. I think if you say, Hey, Evan Mobley, we want you to go chase around Paul George. Who's going to cut, you know, he's going to run a lot of high pick and roll. He's going to, he will come off some screens, even if he famously like doesn't always love doing that and being used that way. There's just a reality where it's like, that's going to change how you play defense because like the way the Cavs are playing defense, it's a lot of Evan Mobley and Jared Allen, like cutting off space, defending the paint, blocking shots and providing that help side pressure to do things. And if he's defending Paul George, like he can't do that. He's not going to be able to help off of his man. He's not going to be able to kind of slide into like a safety position, so to speak and help defense. And Jared's obviously the guy coming off in to help more, but there's like a structural change you will make to your defense. If they decide to go that route and it would just be, it would be interesting to see if JB does decide to do that because it would, it would indicate a, that I think he think how highly they think of Evan. And I think we already know that, but how versatile they kind of will maybe use him and be, it would mark a change in, and how they play defense over four games and, and kind of be a big stylistic swing 
that like maybe they would repeat Friday against the Lakers, which is another situation where like you might need to see the team mm-hmm. kind of do something like that. And and it's it's just when you look at the X's and O's of this of this game, that to me is just the big stylistic question. Are they going to stick with what has worked and kind of do the regular season thing where they stick with their system and kind of tinker with it as need be and don't do anything crazy? Or does JB do like the big one game playoff style adjustment? And then this is generalizing. This is making this very black and white. This is obviously more gray than, than I'm sort of presenting it. But the reality of it is just being like, Hey, like, could you, will they tweak in a major way for this game? And now that, that's kind of the thing well, I want to see right off the bat and, and how they do that. Or, or like, you know, on, as a note on that, like, does, is his, does, does he like early go, like, I can't do this, but I, I, I have to like throw in a core or throw in Jetty just to put a wing in there for nominal purposes. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's also because like if Mobley's defending Batum, that's like obviously not the same kind of John Collins, Aaron Gordon kind of threat, but he's still a good shooter. And there, there are a lot of interesting defensive questions when it comes to how Evan Mobley will be used in this. Game. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting questions. Batum kind of is an interesting wrinkle for the Clippers. Like he was vastly overpaid in Charlotte, but I think he is a perfectly fine player. And I think he was solid for the Clippers last year. Like he's not going to be a world beater on a night to night basis, but maybe that's the player you had Larry Markkinen on. And maybe you put, Jared Allen on Zubach just because you have that frontline defense then and then you you really do put Evan Mobley on Paul George and this is like his Isaac Okoro trial by fire where Okoro had to play like Kevin Durant, LeBron James and uh, Kawhi Leonard within like the same week like just a tra- absolute trial there but I want to talk about some of the offensive stuff in the next segment, but real quick, I want to give a quick word from our sponsor, Sweatblock. For a few weeks now, we've been talking about Sweatblock, and these wipes stop sweat for seven days, and it seems like people have been listening. We have friends of Locked On who have tried Sweatblock and love it. We have a story here about a high school teacher. When he pitted out by fourth period, he'd hear snickers and whispers from his students. So he started bringing a second shirt to change in between classes. Then he heard about Sweatblock on our program. He tried it and is now hooked. No more snickers, no more second shirt. Another success story here is about an avid soccer player. He heard us talking about sweat block. He thought it was too good to be true, but he always was the wettest guy after practicing games like soaking wet. He thought he would give sweat block a shot and he tried it on his pits. And the next day his pits were dry while everything else was wet. Guess he should try it on his other parts too. He did. He says he didn't have to reapply for nine days. Now he's a true believer. There you go. Locked on Cavs listeners loving sweat block. Stop excessive sweat for seven days per use. Doctor created, doctor recommended. Dry shirt guarantee. A sweat block does not keep you dry. You get your money back. Not just for armpits, chest, back, feet, hands. Use it anywhere. And I mean anywhere <clears throat> that sweats. If you or someone you love is dealing with excessive sweat, you have to check out sweat block. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with promo code locked on or at Amazon or CVS. Okay, Evan, uh, let's move away from the – well, talk about the offensive yeah, part of it, and so, then I think we should talk about the, some of the other things. In this I wonder how the Cavs are going to play. Are they – like, the, JB's hell-bent and determined, and he's not hell-bent determined, but he keeps saying, like, we want to play fast. We want to be a quote-unquote modern offense. And I, maybe against the Clippers, playing fast is a good thing because in terms of fast-break defenses, the Clippers are ranked 23rd in the league. In terms of paint defense, where the Cavs really need to get going against the Clippers, especially with like you know Mobley and Allen, like the two biggest, biggest benefactors, the Clippers are middle of the pack. But in overall defensive rating, the Clippers are eighth in the league, and so it's a bit of a mixed bag. And this is a Ty Lue coach team. I don't think he takes the regular season as seriously. He's more of a playoff caliber coach. He gets them prepared, gets them grinding. I mean, he got them to the Western Conference Finals after. I went unlocked on Clippers and talked about what was so great about it. And everybody thought like, oh, this is just Doc Rivers 2.0. So I'm intrigued to see how the Clippers defend the Cavs. I think 
because Ty is a bit of a chess master. And I mean, JB Bakerstaff outcoached Mike Bologna against the Nuggets, and Mike Bologna is a hell of a coach uh, at the end of the day. And like the Nuggets are like the fifth best defensive team in the league in terms of defensive rating. I'm curious to fi- see how what JB Bakerstaff does to set up this team for success. And maybe playing fast is the biggest thing because the Clippers like to play slow and they struggle defending the fast break. But to be fair, maybe the Clippers keep up with the Cavs a little bit too because the Cavs are the 22nd best. Fast break defensive team in the league. So I'm just curious to see what breaks causes the Cavs to break even. Maybe the Clippers play down to the Cavs a little bit too. That's a symptom of most Tyron Lue teams as they play down to lesser opponents. And maybe the Cavs just kind of shock them early and they just roll off the momentum like they did against the Nuggets. Yeah, notable cleaning the glass um, has the Clippers as eighth, or excuse me, it has them at ninth in defensive rating, sixth in offensive rating, but they're so just yeah. for reference, so like th- there's these, yeah, yeah. So these are very basically like just for those like keeping track at home. The only difference is really that like cleaning the glass like lops off any um, garbage time stats in in their metrics, and NBA.com does not. So there's like the real difference. There's only difference in those in terms of um, what they're doing there. But it, this is the team that you know to start the year has a net rating of plus, like the eighth best net rating. Like they're plus eight per hundred possessions, and they're one and two. So this like the metrics would tell you that this is like a better team overall than the record suggests. And it's very early, you know. These numbers are like very can vacillate a lot right now before the data really really accumulates. But I, I think all you said is true. And I think kind of going off of that, like I want to see how Ty decides to match up his guard versus the Cavs guards because. Yeah. He's going to go Jackson Bledsoe. Bledsoe obviously being the much better defender of the two. I, I'm curious to see if he says, okay, I'm going to put Bledsoe on Garland to kind of attack the team that way, or is he going to have Bledsoe on Sexton to kind of negate the scoring threat? I don't really... I would put Bledsoe on Sexton. Yeah. The strength factor you would think would make some sense, but it's just the way the Cavs are playing, you wonder if you kind of think, okay, like if Bledsoe can really disrupt Garland and then Rubio is kind of the initiator and kind of keeping things going... Can and and does that change how Cleveland plays? Does that kind of put Sexton into uh, more of a creator role that maybe the Cavs? I mean, we kind of think that they don't necessarily want them to kind of be with him right now. I, I think those are sort of the questions about. Um, those are sort of the questions I would sort of have in terms of of how that goes, and it, it, it's obviously going to vastly throughout the game. You'll get different lineups and stuff, but like that to me is just kind of like one of the questions there. Yeah. No, it's definitely interesting to think, and I think maybe we can put a pin in it for now. We have to really know who is and isn't available for both the Clippers and the Cavs, for all we know. Maybe Darius or Dylan or Allen. I mean, Dylan's going to be a non-factor in this rotation because JB's going eight deep. He's no longer going nine or ten deep on this rotation because I think his primary options off the bench are Okoro, Love. Oh, no, nine deep. He goes Okoro, Love, Rubio, and Osmond off the bench. And that's really it. Like Dean Wade, maybe we'll get some spot minutes every now and then, just depending on if like Kevin loves off and you just need to look somewhere else down the roster for some three point shooting and size. So I, I don't know, man, like got to see who's available for tomorrow's game. The injury report has not been submitted last I checked. I'll do that as we talk, but what did you want to pivot to before, before I cut you off? Oh, that one. No, that was what I, what I just said. I wanted to pivot to was okay. the, that was the blood though thing. Um, I, 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 there's also just like, I think it's just see how the Cavs follow. Oh, Isaac is doubtful with a left hamstring strain against the Clippers. Okay. So let, let's just, let's just break that down. That obviously, uh, changes the rotation. It, it, I, I would guess you would expect, uh, more minutes for Jetty Osmond. You would yeah. think is just kind of the guy already in the rotation. And then like, does this give 
Lamar Stevens a chance to play as kind of like a, a, a crow, like dollar store Coro. Um, does it give like is Windler? What was is Windler listed on the injury report at all, or is he? It's just... not. It's Isaac Coro is listed as doubtful with a left hand string strain, and then Taco Fall and RJ Nembhard are with the Cleveland Charge because they're starting their season yeah. soon. Yeah. So and, just well, and just notably, team. I yeah. Well, and notably on Windler, uh, I think very quietly they did not pick up his player option if i'm not mistaken nope, i don't think so i'm gonna look at the uh deadline for that i didn't i didn't get a release and i the deadline has passed because the season has started if i'm not mistaken i could be incorrect but okoro having a hamstring strain is uh obviously tough that that changes just how the rotation will be it changes sort of what we could learn out of this game and it, i think it just makes the game more challenging for the Cavs in a lot of ways correct i mean i think yeah it does that will change just how I would imagine it. We've seen JB, um, I think, over the first couple of games. I haven't finished my visualization for the Nuggets game yet, so I haven't quite like got to look at this in like a spreadsheet form to kind of like map it out color wise. But like I, my my brain is telling me, thinking about those games that we're seeing different kinds of lineups. We're seeing JB kind of mess around a little bit and trying to figure out what works and what doesn't early, and. This obviously, Okoro was a constant of it, and we haven't seen him. This is just going to change, you know, his availability in every in every sense of the word. And I mean, even if he's going to play, a hamstring is going to hamper what what Isaac kind of is, like in terms of his motor, in terms of his ability. And like, you would think he would be a guy that the Cavs would be like, "Hey, can you just oh, like, the stop Reggie Jackson from going off?" Typically, October thirty first okay, so, for uh, fourth year. So, because like Darius okay. Isaac and Dylan have not been picked up yet. So the Cavs have till Monday to decide. This is, this is the tricky thing with us recording live. So um, Cavs PR, don't yell at us when you when you hear us hear me mess up first, not Evan. But like that's coming up, and I I would like to see I would like to see Dylan. I think get a chance. I think I would just like to see it. Yeah, I would too. Just for fun. Just for fun. Yeah, I mean, like, what do they have to lose? They guarantee his option. What if like they use him as a little bit of trade bait too, to maybe to motivate a team like. I don't know, man. As the magic well, continue to keep I mean, losing, uh, like yeah, maybe yeah. getting Terrence Ross is an option for the Cavs. Like they try and package Ryan, some the, contracts together, and they include Dylan Windler maybe as like a rehab sweetener for them. Because like they they took that swing with Gary Harris too as a rehab option in the Aaron Gordon trade. Who was who was much much more expensive? Yeah, I know, but that's Gary Harris. That's what I'm getting so at. Those like you, the, yeah, the Magic like suck. Really They're not trying to win. Yeah. Yeah. The Magic aren't trying yeah. to win. And they can take a long look at a player like Dylan Windler, maybe give him some serious burn, maybe send him to the Lakeland Magic if that's still their team location. I'm not 100% sure off the top of my head, but there's options there. And I don't know, man. I, I wouldn't see why they wouldn't do it. But at the same time, I'm just curious to see what the next steps are. Like, maybe Windler does get more minutes. Like, with Isaac Okora being doubtful, like, if I were the Cavs, I wouldn't play him, especially if it's a hamstring thing. I, I would give the minutes to Lamar Stevens, though, if I had to pick. Like, gun to my head, had to pick. Yeah, I, I think I would, too, but I would just... There, I would like to see both at some point. Um, I don't... like. I, I just think it'd be it'd be fun. And I think this season's a data collection season, but... Um, the se- I mean, this season, before we go on a break, and, and people in the chat that are watching live, please hit us with questions. We we probably can get, like, up to two, two really good questions if we get them. Um, beyond like, you know, did the save JB's job? We're not going to get into the narrative stuff, but if you have some really good Cavs questions or even just one really good one, we'd love to get to those in the third segment. So now's the time. Drop those below if you're watching live. If you're uh, 
listening on your favorite podcast platform or watching on YouTube, then you miss the fun and you should come hang out next time we do this. For sure. But I mean, to me, the season's just increasingly becoming about Evan Mobley. It's just like about Evan Mobley for me oh, at this he's point. So like, good. um, I have a I have a piece I have a piece that's going up at Up Rock soon that I can I'm gonna throw up the the doc. You can see my pen notes because I'm 90 years old and print things out and then self edit them. Um, it's just basically the concept is like Evan Mobley's the present and past and future of, of what the Cavs are going to do here. Um, and like hot take might be like the, I think it's like pretty clearly the best Cavs prospect they've had since 2011. Like the since, best like rookie since, they've had since 2011. Yeah, I agree with that. I think with how Andrew Wiggins panned out, if you look at Andrew Wiggins as one, he was drafted in terms well, of I mean, potential. Well, I mean that like, well, but I mean like that actually played for them and then like had impact. I think it's pretty clearly like, he's the guy that is like, Oh, Oh, for like, sure. The, the right so away. Yeah. Yeah. But Chris, and you know maybe what the else best, is like, uh, Bill Bars. Or Bill Bar. Look, look at that. Look at Evan saving me from going on a tangent that makes his ad read go longer. And he knows I have a radio head, so he's the king. But anyway, Bill Bar is the best tasting person on the market. They have so many great flavors. Cookie dough. They have the pumpkin puff. Pumpkin puff right now uh, that's marshmallow with pumpkin flavoring and that great Bill Bar chocolate coating. You got to go get that. They have cookie dough chunk. I had a cookie dough one today, Evan remains just undefeated in terms of of a protein bar and look not only built bar is the best tasting bar but they're healthy too 17 18 grams of protein calories ranging from 130 to 180 only four to five grams of sugar and only four to five grams of net carbs amazing flavors they're all tasty and all healthy so order today get that blueberry muffin get that pumpkin puff for the for your spooky fall season or whatever it is you like and built bar by the way is the official protein bar of the united states track and field team and NASCAR. I mean, can't get much better than, than sponsoring two elite groups right there. So go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, go to built.com for your 15% off with code LOCKED15. Boom. Okay, Evan. So we, we're, let's see if we wait on some, some questions here. I guess I'm going to start with this one uh, from Daniel. Did these oh, two shoot. wins? We can talk about this for the entire segment, man. Well, I, I think like I want to reframe the question because I think like I don't think like his job was ever like immediately like in danger in this sense, right? But I I think you I would think that this in terms of like the immediate pressure, the heat. If it was, I don't know where the I don't like have like a good gauge on like where the, if this was like an oven or a stove and we were like cooking some eggs in the morning. We don't. I don't know if the heat was like say like really uh, high eggs on an oven, man. Like unless you're making like oh. a nice quiche or something, For, or like a frittata. Yeah, like an oven frittata. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, if you're cooking like some eggs on the stove and you got the like, is did they do we flick the heat on way too high or is it like kind of so low and slow like where you should be when you're cooking some eggs? Like I don't I don't know what the number is. Well, see in terms of JB, it's tough. Um, I think maybe like public publicly, there's a lot of people who are saying, um. They should fire him just based on the rotations and starting Larry Markin and the fact that they looked pretty mediocre against the Hornets and the Grizzlies. I think that bounce back win, like that, that was a really good win against the Hawks. Like they outplayed the Hawks and like it was a close game at times because like it's tough to defend Trey Young for 48 minutes. Well, in, in, though- a, in a game, in a game where they took advantage of Atlanta, like kind of struggling, not kind of faltering late and like yeah. 
took advantage of an opportunity that presented itself. Like that's like the sign of like a team that has I mean, a little bit of legs to it. Let's put it this way. JB against Nate McMillan, who is a phenomenal coach. I think the Pacers will regret for the longest time letting him go. And then Mike Malone with Denver, JB outcoached both of them, like in both games, like tactic, tactically, like really rode the momentum, rode the hot hands, played smart, played with really creative lineups that were like, weren't yes. The marketing thing is unconventional, but like I said, on Monday's show, JB kind of looks at it not as a he looks at a positionless option where like he has the bigs and he has the smalls. And I don't know where Isaac Okoro falls in that. Like the smalls are Garland, Sexton, Rubio, uh Pangos as well, like just in terms of like key smalls. And then you have the bigs, which are Mobley, Allen, Love, Markinen, Taco Fall to an extent, because he's a huge Taco Fall fan. And then maybe the wings are a separate group as well, but because I don't know where those fall in that group because JB hasn't explicitly refer to one of those and one of the other. So yeah, he does some unconventional stuff. He does do some tinkering. I think the job security of not having to coach for his job, like he did in Memphis or Houston is really added security. But I think these two wins are good palate cleansers. We'll see how the rest of this road trip grows because I was talking to somebody in the Cavs like before the schedule was announced. He's like, there's a good chance we could be like, Oh, and seven or whatever the number you, you and I were like, ah, a little, little, I, yeah, we're shaky. skeptical. Like, like, well, he's just like when Portland comes to town, we that's like the next time they have a home game. He's just like, we could not have won a single game yet. And I kind of believed it just based on how the schedule shook out. Like, I'm just really high on what Atlanta's doing. I'm really high on what Denver's doing and Sans Jamal Murray. But I don't ever think JB's like coaching for job security, but maybe the seat's starting to get warm if the Cavs are winless heading back to their home game against Portland before they go on another road trip. So... I don't think he'd be fired. I know the Cavs keep saying he's the right coach for this team right now, and I really genuinely do believe that in my heart of hearts. Like he is pressing the right buttons right now and working well with a young team, especially for a coach who's notorious for not playing young players during his time with Memphis. So I don't know, man. I'm not going to be one of those people who's like banging the drum saying they need to fire J.B. Bickerstaff or like what he's doing is wrong. Yeah, what he's doing is unconventional, but people are also baking their takes based off two or three games. We're going to do an episode when we're 10 games in where the Cavs say they're going to reevaluate their rotations. We're going to do the same to see what is and isn't working. And I think that's the right approach. You take a methodical approach because Kobe's made it clear as well. Like COVID kind of skewed a lot of things last year. This is an evaluation period for the Cavs now. So why would you fire your coach in the midst of like the early stretch of the season just because things have looked kind of yeah. shaky for the first two or three games? This could be the most normal year the Cavs have had since like. And that's all I want. Like, I mean, but yeah, but I mean, like, the, like I'm trying to think of like what the what was the last like normalish cap season, like the last pre-LeBron year. No, because that was a weird year too. Because <laughs> they hired but, Mike but, Brown yeah. as head coach, yeah, and like, then, that like, made it was, odd to begin with. And then yeah. like Kyrie and Dion publicly hated each other, and then they traded for Lou Aldang, was, who went and had no desire to be here, and then they get Spencer Hawes, who it was weird man like anderson very yeah but it's just yeah it was all weird but like yeah i but it worked kind yeah like by their standards at the time like it sort of worked so it was being held together by rubber bands and chewing gum and paper clips but it was this could be the yeah this could be the most normal cap season like in a long time i think what we're getting here but evan let's take one more question and get out of here Nice copper mug. Um, Johnny uh-huh. Taylor asked, how do both of you feel about Darius being passive and not looking to score as much? Would like to see him shoot more threes than he did against Denver. You take this first. We kind of talked about this on, well, I, 
the the second show of today because we recorded Tuesday's show during the day. I'm not overly concerned because we talked about how Chris Paul can still have an immediate impact on the Suns or any team because, yes, they lost to the Blazers the other night, but he scored four points but had 11 assists, was positive defensively, like did the right things to still set up his teammates for success. I think Darius is still adjusting to this offensive role. Jared Allen said that the, a lot of his teammates are still playing two steps ahead and are kind of overthinking their new offensive identity. I think, again, give it a little time. Let these guys settle in. They're, they're young. They're in their early 20s. They're learning new stuff on the fly. Um, this is like the first training camp J.B. Vickerstaff's actually had where he can truly coach this team. So like, there's a lot of building that they're doing on the fly, too. If he's continuing to look passive and like, 10, 15 games into the season. Yeah, maybe I'm just like a little concerned. I told people like last year, the all-star break was when I started to raise a little bit of a red flag at Darius Garland started, like was still looking kind of mediocre and he he wasn't. So I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt and say that he can still build momentum towards it, but it's just familiarity with new teammates and comfort. Like there's a lot of new factors here. Like, yeah, I mean, Evan, well, yeah, the, I mean, he, sprained it, yeah. he sprained his ankle in the first game of the season, which didn't help. Yep. And he is now two games behind the rest of his teammates that have played meaningful minutes. So he is, it's not a huge gap, but he's got to do a little bit of catching up too. Because like some of the players are looking comfortable with it. Like there's going to be nights where things look clunky and unrefined and like, it could be against the Clippers. It could be against the Lakers. It could be against the Sun. Excuse me, the Suns. Like all three of those teams are going to be like real tests for the Cavs. And then like they get to play Charlotte, which is it's going to be a fun game no matter what. And then they come home to play Portland. And Portland's reeling right now. Like they look really bad. And so that'll maybe be like the new feel good vibe game if the Cavs get their teeth kicked in over the next four games or so. Yeah, the 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 Larry Nance Jr. homecoming game. I I am kind of surprised Larry is just looking so mediocre for the Blazers. I thought, like, yeah, he makes a lot of sense for that team. Yeah. And again, really it's probably familiarity with playing, like, Dame and CJ and stuff, but, like, holy vault, they're bad. Yeah. And it just doesn't a, help, a note, like, normal, yeah. but either way. Yeah. Yeah, things are goofy. The new coach, all that stuff. But just a couple notes on Darius statistically. Uh, cleaning the glass so far. Here's a shot breakdown, Evan. This is this actually caught me by surprise, and I think it'll catch the question asked by surprise. But fifty-four uh, percent of his shots have come from three-point. Non-corner threes are fifty percent of his shot died so far. Thirty-three percent in the mid-range, including twenty-nine percent in the short mid. So those floaters that he loves, and twelve percent of his shots are are at the rim so far. So his shot diet is like very skewed out and then in right now. Some of that I think is like you know just it's two games. It's it's a, a total of. 62 minutes over two games so like this is a tiny tiny sample in terms of what he is um we'll see where this kind of gets him we'll see if like i don't think he's taken a free throw yet if i'm not mistaken i might be wrong about that but i don't think he's taken a free a drawn a foul yet it looks like um the clean the glass at least here says he hasn't taken a free throw and ben falk's side is my favorite side of the world um yeah, hasn't taken a free throw yet, so that's that's notable. Mm-hmm. And last year he got up to like league average, uh, or like he was uh, in the two, he was up to like fifty percent, fifty percentile and like and one rate among point guards. So like that's that that's a notable thing that he was last year. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll, and we'll see we'll see where this goes. We'll see how this progresses. It is certainly worth watching. And I was reading a very good uh, post from um, Dan Devine at the Ringer that. Uh, that was that I read like probably a couple hours ago about John Morant and how John Morant has been incredible to start the year. And like watching job ja play offense is like, he has figured out this level of attacking off ball 
Um, he's added the pull up three. He's added some stuff that is just like I Darius, I think, is just is clearly just behind him in, in terms of how we're doing this. And this is like a comparison, but it's like you can see how a young guard figures it out and a, how a younger guard who's leading mm-hmm. an offense kind of gets his feet totally under him and figures all the stuff out and like really makes it fly. And Darius is still kind of figuring that out. The new offense obviously contributes to that. The, the injury contributes to that. Um, there's a lot of kind of moving pieces here. But if you want to end on kind of a, a, of a note that I think should encourage you, we touched on this in the, in the previous show, but those two deep threes that he took against Denver, context considered, really, really uh, a, th- a thing that if he adds those and takes those regularly, that's a good shot if he can make those at a relatively good clip. Yeah, absolutely. And I think once he finds that comp, like I, I compared him to the, it's funny. We mentioned normalcy at the Cavs that like one year, Mike Brown sent like, maybe he's playing a little bit like that. Like Kyrie did that season where Kyrie was looking more so to get his teammates involved and then knew like there was opportunities for him to get buckets because either his teammates were going to make their shots. But you saw that a lot with Denver, like, ob- like objectively Darius and Colin both were awful in the first half. And Mike Malone made a point to say he's going to defend the hell out of both of them. Darius was looking to get Colin going in the second half more often than not, because that's just what a good point guard does is he tries to make the rest of his teammates hot and build momentum off him. And then, you know, he knows if they're going, they're going to defend the command defensive attention and then they can get their shots too. So like it's, it's chess. Like the, Darius is still figuring it out and give him the benefit of the doubt and wait for it to see what yeah. happens. And and it's, if you compare him to like a, a Rubio in the situation, Ricky Rubio, who like attack, I think attacks a little bit more, um, has, has been more aggressive when he's been on the court in terms of just sometimes just going one-on-one or kind of running some impromptu two-man action. Like Darius just, it, it's still f- feeling that out. And Rubio just has this like, like wealth of experience to just kind of like go to and, and feel out the situations. Darius is still figuring some of that out. I mean, he's had a very rough, weird two year start his career. It, there's certainly some impact on, on your growth. Um, when, when you've had the kind of weird two years that you've had, it's, it's just, it's not tangible. I can't like calculate that and give you like a statistic that explains that. But I, I think it's just true that like, there is just a learning curve here still going on. And it's still very early. I I would before I think we wrap up. I think it's just I think we both kind of agree on this, Evan. I think for if you're thinking about this in terms of viewing the season, whether it's Sexton, Garland, Mobley, um, well, Mobley, I'm, I would say get, just get very hyped about Evan Mobley because I think he's just the, there's no indication so to me that this is this is fake. Whatever it is, whatever you're like kind of pessimistic about or maybe really excited about with in the non-Mobley category, I would say just be patient, let it suss itself out. And just kind of let let's get to ten games, let's get to fifteen games, and kind of see. I think that's even true for me. With the I'm a I'm a marketing at the three skeptic, and I'm even saying okay, like we I have to let this well, kind of bear out. Matt Moore shared the other today. I did not. I know On he. But I know he versus Laurie Marketing last night. Michael Porter Jr. scored zero points. I just don't know. I but it's also just like I just don't know if that's like real is the thing. I just like don't yeah. know if that's like something that is like more a than fluke. One game, yeah, you need 10, yeah. 15 games. Well, and Matt, and Matt is who was great. You should read him at the Action Network. Go check him out on Locked and Nuggets. Also, like the first game of the season was like the Cavs can't start Lowry at the three anymore. Like he said that after the first game when they played the yeah. Grizzlies. So like, is what it is. Um, yeah, yeah, man. I think it's I think it's just tricky. I I think it's. I, I, it's hard to know right now, like if some of this stuff is just like fluky and it's just happening, or if it's like a sign of something that is actually there. And it's like even if it's weird and unexpected, I think that's like yeah. sort of what we're. That's the beauty of the early season. You're trying to figure out what is real, what is just like a, a mirage, and and what is, um, you know, 
like actually something we're going to not have to worry about in like six months because it was just a, a blip on the radar. But Evan, uh, anything you want to plug before we get out of here? Uh, no, not really. Just if you're checking us out on YouTube right now, please subscribe, hit that notification bell so you know when we go live. Um, if you're listening on any of your podcast platforms, if you're Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review. It, we really appreciate it. Um, and if you're listening, like Chris said, we have a pretty large audience at this point. If all of you like just took the time to create a YouTube account and you know cook those books, as one Justin Rowan would say, uh, we would have a substantial base of subscribers too. And I mean, like we, we stream this everywhere. It's on Facebook, it's on Twitch, it's on my Twitter account. Like we're doing this everywhere, folks. We'll try and do these more often. But thanks for sticking with us. Thanks for making us your first listen of the day, your first watch of the day as well. If you're checking us out on YouTube and yeah, that's pretty much it, man. We'll just see you soon. Yeah, everyone. Thanks again for tuning in. As I just looked, we're at 399 subscribers on YouTube. Be the 400th. Be the change on the scene of the world. And look, thanks again, as Evan said, for making Locked and Cavs your first listen every day. Our next episode, we'll go through the Clippers game. Uh, TBD and when we're going to record them, we're going to go into the Clippers game. Look ahead to Friday in Los Angeles uh, when the Cavs will stay there. And I'm curious to see if Jetty Osmond gets a haircut like he did last time. They they had like a, <laughs> a long road trip in L.A. when he had LeBron's barber. And he kind of he's got that little like man bun thing going around. Let's see if he gets a cut and comes out looking trim. But also now go make your second listen or watch of the day locked on fantasy basketball josh lloyd hosts the number one daily fantasy basketball podcast on the planet it is free just like locked on Cavs, and available on every platform until next time everyone thanks for tuning in if you're listening on a podcast platform as evan said thanks again for listening as well and until next time it's been locked on Cavs. peace